Welcome back to the Turned On Podcast. Listen for a second. Hear that? My God will never fail. Come on. Oh, my God will never fail. We got a story for you today. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. So, for the last couple of weeks, you've known if you listen to the podcast, you know that we've been experiencing the death of my father and all that comes with it and you know heaviness and a spirit of fear a spirit of sadness a spirit of even resentment and anger and jealousy and inadequacy and the unknown but we're ready to pick up the pieces and move forward and how do we do that angelique well we move into a spirit of joy a spirit of determination a spirit of prosperity a spirit of positivity and abundance and understanding and more importantly what this song says right here We're going to move into a spirit of victory, and we want to bring you guys with us. We are going to talk about victory today in a way that we've never been more sure of and more certain of. Stick around. Welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori, and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life, in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. That's right. Welcome back. And... As the intro says, the light in your world can sometimes go dim. And we named a couple of reasons why it would, but one of the big reasons, and I hope you never have to experience it, but unfortunately we all do, is death. And and we are we have been talking about it for the last two weeks because it is front and center in our lives, but we will find victory. That is the that is the theme of this episode right here. It is victory and if there is a victory in my father's death and we go into this new season talking about victory for the next several weeks, it is this. It gave us confirmation. My friends, when you are in your life and you have something that you're passionate about, one of the biggest things you can get is you can get confirmation. And when you get confirmation from the Lord, man, it does sometimes come down like a lightning bolt and it strikes you and you say, wow, thank you. And Why we have this confirmation now, Angelique, is because, unfortunately, of what we've experienced. The confirmation that Angelique and I have spoken of is turned on. This is the name of the podcast, the Turned On podcast. The book is called Turned On, and it is about you because you love your family, because you love yourself and you want to make a better life for yourself and your family, but more importantly, you love God. And when we are turned on for God and we are turned on for our families and ourselves, great things happen. So turned on is the focus. Angelique, the very first quote in the turned on book, and we're going to go a little bit over chapter one today because we realize how important it is. What does it say? It says, at the end of your life, you will never regret not having passed one more test, not winning one more verdict, or not closing one more deal. You will regret time not spent with a husband, a friend, a child, or a parent. And that was Barbara Bush. Or a parent. Or a parent. 
Time not spent with them. Turned on is about spending time. We, we said at the beginning of this book that we didn't want people to look back on their lives one day with regret. Regret is one of the worst things. It will kill you inside because you can't get time back. So, yes, we have to work. Yes, we do have to maybe pass a test. Yes, we do, um, we, we do have to do things that maybe we don't really love in order to spend time with our family, but it doesn't mean that we do all that and to put our family on the back burner. We will get back right now to the family. We will get back to being turned on. Thank you, Dad, for this reminder, this very heavy reminder. And that was the first quote of the book. We want you to never regret not spending more time with your husband, your child, your parents, or a friend. Time is the greatest gift. And how do we do that? How do we wake ourselves up? Because if we are not awake, we are what, Ange? What's the antithesis of awake? Asleep. We are asleep. How many people are asleep these days? (laughs) Well, Not literally, right? Metaphorically. Metaphorically. Why are they asleep, Edge? Give me some of the reasons why people are asleep. Uh, we're distracted. Distraction. Uh, we are um, overstimulated. Overstimulated. Um, we are sedated by things that are unimportant. Uh, we are addicted. Um, we are sheep. We're oftentimes... Um, we we're part of group think rather than critical think. And so what happens is we just become really stagnant in our thinking, really stagnant in our habits, really stagnant um, in our faith, simply because we're not turned on to God. We're not turned on to his order. We're not turned on uh, to his word. And we're not turned on to the most important things that we're called to steward. And uh, time is the greatest uh, measuring tape for those things that we're meant to steward. Yes, ma'am. Number one answer on the board. You nailed them all. Okay. Here's here's the part where we get really personal because, well, it's in the book. It's on page four. And again, um, this was published in 2020, and I believe it's more important today. And I want you to find yourself in this story. So I'll tell you a little bit about how I felt when I was writing this, but I want you to tell me if any of those things that Angelique just said just now, resonate with you or your family, or what I'm about to share with you from page four. It says, well, I wondered, maybe it was in my head, or maybe it was a phase I was going through. So I waited it out a little bit, but nothing changed. My wife said I seemed irritated more often, than I was, and I was getting frustrated during times of inaction. So, Ange, you remember this. I was irritated all the time. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't doing something, I, I, I seemed frustrated. I have to be doing something all the time, okay? Um, I'd get angry seeing other people who were busier than me. I would start to beat myself up in comparison. So we see those things happening. I felt disheartened when I witnessed people who were achieving things, and I either began to punish myself mentally or scold them internally. So this could be a spirit. We talked about the spirit of jealousy. We talked about a spirit of of. of Righteousness versus competition. You want to be able to compete in life. But so much, we live in this glass house now. We live in this world of social media, and we've we've seen pastors talk about it quite often, where they say, you know, the world has changed. When did it change? There was a, um, uh, a survey that came out this past month by the CDC that said, I think 30% of female teenagers in the United States have seriously contemplated suicide in the past year. And over half were depressed. I mean, this is alarming, but what happens is it's not just the teens, but it's us. And it's, it is a reflection of the society we're in. We're irritated when we see other people doing things. We, why is it that not me? Are they busier than me? Are they better than me? We're comparing ourselves. So we punish ourselves. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not working hard enough. Um, we don't know the right people. We don't have the right connections. Or we scold them internally. You know, that's not healthy, is it? No, it's not. And I think those statistics are really alarming. Um, it's not even just what I think. They are alarming. I I was watching something the other day on stats of just what's happening with our phones um, alone. And... How, you know, we can't, like the amount of time, and just talking about the youth, like 
the amount of times they check their phone, the amount of time, the amount of time a day that they're texting, that does not include social networks. Um, how many people can't even literally go to the bathroom without their phone? How many people can't um, focus without checking their phone, even though they're not getting notifications? Like it's staggering, staggering, staggering statistics, and um, it makes my stomach hurt because the more I think about it, the more I realize just you know our businesses often uses you know our telephone. Or our cell phones, and um, I hate it. Like it's a yeah. lo- it's a love hate thing. It's like I, I love the fact that I can reach people globally, um, and and share things organically in regards to our business and our message and ministry. But at the same time, I absolutely hate this thing that robs me of okay. time, which is already a time of, is a thief is in itself. I totally agree. And and you know how do we address that? How do we how do we not be hypocritical here? So on the next page, it would says before I go back to where I was, it says so much of what turned on means deals with course correction it's it's a course correction it's not an all or nothing you know it's not uh either you use the phone for nothing or you use it for everything there there's times in there but if we go back to the problem and i said you know these feelings that i was having began to creep into other parts of my life i had began becoming short-tempered with my children because I was so focused on, oh, I got to make this post or I got to do this, and I wasn't giving them my adequate attention or full attention. Um, My life had suddenly become inundated with outside influences, right? The news, things that had nothing to do with me half a country away or half a world away, Um, most of which were what, Ange? Beyond my control. Control, Beyond my control. I can't do nothing about it anyway. Um, and they were greatly affecting my home and my happiness. And then they began to affect the relationship with Angelique. She seemed more distant. I stopped I stopped going out in nature. She stopped uh, going out on walks with me, not because we, we didn't want to, because life got busy. And so one of the things, uh, my dad, I had interviewed him before, before he passed years ago. I had interviewed him, and I played at his funeral. And I said, if you can give your future generations one piece of advice, Dad, what would it be? And he sat and thought, he goes, man, he goes, I worried about so many things that I had no control over. Like, you know, like, was the plane going to crash or, you know, what was the president going to change or, you know, what was going to happen? And he goes, all these things I worried about that I realized now looking back in my 80s that I couldn't have done anything about, but I wasted so much of my valuable time worrying. Mm-hmm. And that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And you just can't not worry, but we have to, we have to teach ourselves what it means and some of you guys are saying, oh, well, this is, you know, duh, aha stuff. Like, we know we're inundated with phones. We know we're getting turned off. But how do we do it? How do we get what? How do we get what, babe? Back. Back. How do we get back? Do you have an answer? Yeah, I got an answer. <laughs> you got to have an answer for the people. If you don't have an answer, then nothing happens. We got to... Get back, JoJo. Okay, so thank you, Paul and John, for that. Um, I so lo- are the Beatles the answer? <laughs> the Beatles are not the answer, but I want you to think about that in your head. I, You know, that is the, the cue. That is sometimes we need a some type of trigger when we get off course. And if you can, guys can just remember, sing that song, get back. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm, I'm not paying attention to my kids. I'm not doing the right things. Get back. Get back. Get back to the place where I once belonged. Now, what are the consequences uh, you know, if we don't get back, I, I interviewed a guy recently who's writing a book and I'm going to help him write his book. And he was saying even the littlest thing, he goes, I remember my daughter came to me and she had something, a very special note that she wrote for me. He goes, I acknowledged and pat her on the back and said, thank you, but I, I didn't pay it enough attention. And, and that was a pattern in my life when I was younger and raising her. And he goes, as she got older, she got into guys that treated her uh, not great. She got into eating disorder. She got into uh, alcohol abuse. And he said, I realized that it, it wasn't enough to just pat him on the back and say, thank you. Like I, I had to take a deeper dark, uh, a deeper uh, interest and get away from just patting her on the back. And that little conversation changed my life. Like I remembered it that day and I told him, you just changed my life. Mm. And that little story that you told me, because sometimes the fear of what could happen changes us. Mm-hmm. And so we need to get back to those things that we know are healthy for us, that we know 
take precedence over all the minutia that we let into our lives, those parts of our lives that are escaping us because they haven't left. They're not, they haven't gone. You haven't lost them. You simply have let the lights go dim. And that is, again, the focus, the metaphor. Get back to where you once belonged. Turn the lights back on. Okay, so what, uh, let me ask you this question. What is, what is your strategy? Okay. Because I think, I think this is an easy th- fix for a day. I, I do. I mean, I think that it's easy to fix for a day. Anybody that's listening to this, can you know what? I, I'm going to, that's right. You know what? Yeah. This episode, David and Angelique, thank you so much. I'm going to change my, my life. I'm going to be more turned on. I'm going to make sure that uh, I delete this app or put a time limit on this. And you know what? It, it lasts for a day. Like we slip back into these patterns because it's not, it's not just in our four walls. It is everywhere we look and everywhere we yeah. go. And so you're a product of your environment. Okay. So you can control your, what's in your four walls, but the minute you walk outside, that's what you're going to have your phone in your hand again. You're going to be, question. you're going to be sedated again. You're going to be, someone's going to shove some information down your throat again. Like this is this is the world that we live in. We okay. are inundated with messages and we are inundated with technology. I will answer that in two parts. One deals with you and one deals with somebody else. The first one that deals with with you is to ask yourself, you know, you examine your life and what's important to you. What truly brings you happiness? If we go back to the the very first page again of the book, after that quote that you read, it's, it's one of the most telling quotes that I've, I've ever heard, and it's by Howard Washington Thurman. And he says this. He says, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive, and then go and do that. Because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we, we forget to ask ourselves. Like when, when we're talking about our future, Angela, like I always say, well, Ange, what can you talk about? What can you do that... It just makes you come alive and and not think about so much about what the world is doing, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's hard because you have to think, well, what does the world need? We, we Even in the turned on method, we want to teach, well, where do you see the world going? That doesn't mean that you just react to the world and you don't follow your own instincts and what makes you happy because you can do what the world asks you to do. You can make a lot of money doing it and you could still be miserable because it's not what you want. So the first part is to ask yourself what you love and what you need and then go out and do that and that'll correct a lot right? The second part has to do with God. That's the other person. And and the second part has to be with, look, you could be a person out there right now that has a great body, right? You could be a person out there that has a ton of money in your bank account. But if you don't have God, if you don't have self-control and the ability to hear him speak, and it's called your inner voice, your intuition. Remember, a lot of people say, well, I don't hear God physically talk to me. Well, yeah, but he's talking to you internally. He's telling you and you know it. So if you don't have self-control, what do you have? You're weak. Mm-hmm. You have nothing. And, and that comes sometimes with, with the bottle or that comes with food or that comes with just distraction and the phone. It all comes back to God gave us a spirit of discernment and self-control. And that's why we're going to fast, Right. That's why you've been talking so much about fasting. Why? Why am I talking about fasting? Because you, you, you deny the flesh, but you what? Well, you're, it's more of him, less of you. More of him, less of you. And, you know, if I have more of him, and if I'm not just led by the Spirit, but filled by the Spirit, then I have more power. I desire that. I desire to have more power. And by more power, I mean... Um, the power to see clearly, the power to hear clearly, the power to have uh, wisdom and knowledge and download things from God of, you know, more of who, uh, you know, I've been created to be, more of what I'm created to do, who I'm, cre- you know, created to serve. Um, and when you also have more of him and less of you, you're filled by the Spirit in such a way that you produce more fruit. Well, if I'm if I claim that I'm filled by the spirit and I'm good with my daily practices yet I have a lot of bitterness about certain things or certain people, or I've got resentment or I get angry or snappy or naggy 
um, or impatient, um, then I know that I'm, de- I'm not operating in the spirit, period. So a fast, what it revealed to me in a lot of ways was like, um, I would, ca- I was just f- faster to catch myself. You know, I'm, you're dying to your flesh. You're just like, hmm, in the interesting, like right now I would have normally been irritated by the fact that I'm doing this by myself and no one's helping, <laughs> you know, and that simple realization help me go, okay, God, like I get it. You're revealing this part of me. You're revealing this side of my heart. It's not just who's around me. That's to blame. Like you're revealing this part of me that, that frustrates me. You're revealing this part of me that, um, made me aware of the fact that I was choosing, you know, choosing an attitude that is not becoming choosing Mm -hmm. an attitude that, um, that you haven't created me for. Absolutely. So it's a lot of different things. I, I fasted for a lot of different things. Well, it, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says when you fast, not, not if. if you fast. Correct. And and we're, we're, we know when it's done properly that it, it's a reward that we're looking for. It's not just a sacrifice, but the reward is clarity. The, war, the reward is conviction and confirmation. Yeah. So when I, when I go into this three-day fast, yeah, let me tell you something. Um, it's a little bit scary. You know, I know I'm going to be hungry for a little while. I know it's going to be kind of lonely because I'm going to go, uh, you know, I'm going to be by myself. But uh, I'm looking for a reward in, 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 the, in the way of a, of a confirmation of where God wants me. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a prayer, and it's an act of righteousness done to please the Father. And um, we're, we're asked to fast. And so that might not be for you, but, you know, we would highly suggest it, and I will definitely let you know how that goes. The other part is we are being led in this current culture— where we are, some people are shying away from God, and they're going, you know, leaning more towards culture. And let's let's look at culture because I love to look at movies, and I think this is a, you know, I'm going to toot my own horn. I think this is an excellent comparison here, using two very popular fictional characters that say two things that are kind of catchy, and we've remembered them, but they're two totally different outlooks on life. And the first one is from somebody that everybody should know, our friend Forrest Gump. I mean, great movie, just a fantastic movie. And what's one of the most popular lines from the movie? Do you do you know what I'm talking about here, Ange? Well, I don't know what. No, I know many. Okay, well, the the one where run Forrest run <laughs> that one. No, the one life where, is life a box of chocolates. Yes. You never know what you're gonna get. Forrest Gump sits there and he says, "Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get." And everybody thought that was just the bee's knees, right? I mean. Mm-hmm. It'd be, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just a box of chocolates. You know why? Because that takes away personal responsibility. Explain. Got, got nothing. Hey, it's, life, if life is a box of chocolates, you don't know what you're going to get, then hey, I, I got no control. I'm just going to sit back. That's what they want you to do right now. It's just a box of chocolates. You got no control over it. You're going to have some that you don't suddenly like and some that you don't like. Now, I'm reading into that a little bit, but you can make that assumption that, sure, life is like a box of chocolates. Well, you don't, you don't always know what you're going to get. Right, but just to say that as an excuse okay. that you don't know what you're going to get, and let's compare it to this similar quote from a fictional character, uh, Lemony Snicket. So Lemony Snicket said, Fate is like a strange, unpopular restaurant filled with odd little waiters who bring you things that you never asked for and don't always like. So in other words, you can say, you can look at it one way, oh, well, I have no control over this. I have no control over my drinking. I have no control over how much I eat. I have no control over who my parents were. I have no control over where I was born. I have no control over um, so many things that happen because life is just a box of chocolates. Or you can say, you know what? I ordered this. You know, I I thought, I ordered this body. Um, I I ordered this this job. I I ordered this life. I ordered this relationship because it's not fate right? Because fate will bring you things that you don't want. So God tells you to fast. God, you know, Paul tells us to fast. He says, we need to be in control of our lives. We need to take responsibility. Fasting is a form of responsibility. Um, Asking yourself what you want and not what the world wants is a form of responsibility because what the world wants is probably going to be totally different than what you would want. And if we go back to the family, that's what I want. Not just for myself, but for everybody who wants that same thing. Some of you out there might not, but you're probably not listening to this if that's you. If you're listening to our voices right now, you're like, 
yeah, I like this podcast because I do want a good family. I do want a solid relationship with my wife. I do want to know my children. I do want to raise healthy, um, well-rounded children and give them a future. And so I'm not going to just sit back and say, well, whatever the school gives them, the school gives them. I'm not going to sit back and say, well, whatever they want to eat, they can eat. I'm going to say, hey, kids, if that's what you want, that's what you're going to get, but you are taking responsibility for your life. And our responsibility right now is to get back to where you and I, Angelique, once belonged. Because let's face it, this last three years, I always say three or four years from 2019, has just been devastating for so many people. When you talk about economically, when you talk about how many people have been depressed, and all the things that we know, all the crap that we're seeing that everybody complains about all day, but guess what? Who's in control? The Lord. Okay. And who else? Well, you, you know, you. We are. Yeah. So how do we get back to being turned on? Okay, there's two things. There's two things we talked about in the book here. And we talk about the huge difference between dreaming and doing. A lot of people dream, right? I mean, courses are sold on dreams. Books are sold on dreams. Um, people shell out a lot, a lot of money because they want their dreams to come true. But there's a lot of huge gap between dreaming and doing. And one of the things that we outline here is it's this aha moment when we said that people really crave two things. They crave action steps and accountability. Mm -hmm. Action steps and accountability. So what would you say, and, and just think about this, Angie, and you tell me, what would you say action steps and accountability have to do with the good book. Um, well, first of all, there's plenty of teachings in the Bible that give us action steps. There's, I mean, everything from the 10 commandments to, you know, how Jesus uh, shared, um, you know, our lessons in, in parables and just the way he lived his life. But the word itself, the Holy spirit itself is our accountability partner. Um, and that should be enough to convict us at least initially, but it's really important for us to have the right people around us. Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the action steps are there. Well, here's, here's, you know, we t I go back to our turned on method and I, I always try to keep things as simple as possible. And, um, you know, for our lis listeners, you know, we had, we have the, um, in the turn on method, there's the big four, right? We always talk about that on here, which, which is, you know, faith, our home team, health, and our calling or our, our business, you know. And then there's um, the first four, which is the first four switches, essentially, that we look for to turn things on, right? So we're talking about getting turned on. You're asking me right now, action steps and accountability. You're asking me what happens, how do we get back? Well, those first four switches, um, I, I made an acronym out of them, or just DEAR, D-E-A-R. The first one is to decide. You have to make a decision. Like, I'm shocked. I am shocked at the amount of people that sit in indecision. Indecision makes me crazy. How, have I not been crazy lately? Just because I'm like, well, there's certain things that we're trying to decide, and everything from where we're living to certain okay. action. Okay. It makes me nuts when I don't have the ability to make a decision. Well, the devil is in the delay, right? Yes. And if we go back to the screw tape letters, right? How can we get distracted? Because we talk about distraction. And it says that um, the young man was sitting in the library and he started to contemplate God. Mm -hmm. And he opened this book and he started to contemplate God. Now, this is a fictional book, but screw tape is sitting up there and he says, to his assistant, quick, <laughs> all you have to do, you don't ha you all you have to do is go down there and whisper in his ear, lunch. How about lunch? How about lunch? And that simple thought take took his thoughts off of God. Going back to fasting, right? The food mm -hmm. took it off of God. He walked outside to go to a restaurant, and all of a sudden, he went up back out into the world. And what happened? Remember that he was in the world. So I heard recently that they say the church is like a ship in the ocean. I mean, the church, right? The church, the church is to the world like a ship is to the ocean, right? Mm -hmm. And it's 
a ship is a ship can be in the ocean and survive. It's supposed to be, but what happens is when the water gets into the boat, or in other words, when culture gets into our spirit, that's when we start to sink. So the devil is in the delay. And what you're talking about there in that first D is when we when we start to get distracted or we start to well. Let's get look delayed. at let's look at the, what the word decide is. Okay. So decide to to deconstruct or decide or de anything is to, to is to take something apart, right? Is to take uh, to decide is to cut off. Like if I'm making a decision, it's opposite of me making an incision. An incision yeah. is I'm going in putting something in, right? I'm cutting cutting away is a decision. Yes. Right? So I need to cut away things from my life in order to move forward in the area that I'm seeking. So when we talk about how do we get back, well, what the hell got in the way in the first place? Like if we aren't able to see what stopped us from the from the get-go and we don't stop those things in their tracks from being right. a constant obstacle, then no matter how many quote-unquote goals we set, we're not going to be able to achieve them very well when we are inundated with the amount of distractions and obstacles right. and things that stand in our way. So when you make a decision, listener, when you decide this is your first switch that most people literally never toggle out of, they never make a decision, You've got to cut things away. That is why we are part. We are the vine, and he is the vine maker. Vine makers do what? They prune things. Okay, we have to be pruned, and that pruning requires cutting off, stopping, and removing the things that are preventing us from the favor. They're preventing us from the land of milk and honey, preventing us from his blessing. And we're, and we're doing it to ourselves. Now the enemy is after us. Like he is on our tails, especially when you're pursuing the heart of God and what he has for you. So he's going to be on your tail. That's where the life is like a box of chocolate. You have no idea what this creep's going to throw at you most of the time. Okay. But you have the ability to tell him no. You have the ability to tell him no. And you do that by making decisions. And that decision requires you cutting things off. Okay? Do you want me to go to the next one or do you want to wait? Um, well, or am I going somewhere you don't want me to go? No, I, you're, going, you're going exactly where I, I know you wanted to go and where you should go. Um, and, and so we talk about those things. I would say most people know what got them distracted. You know, when we say get back, and I think that's a great get back to where you once belong, I think people know what got in the way and what's keeping them from where they belong. I don't think it's a big mystery. Now, if you're looking at your life and you're saying, well, I just don't know where I went wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why you need accountability from people around you that understand the word. Listen, you're saying that right now, and I don't know where you're going with this. By the way, anybody that's listened to our podcast, we're having a conversation. So, David. When David and I have podcasts, yeah. we have a conversation with you live on the mic. I don't know where he's going with this, and I'm, I'm just here to provide commentary and conversation. So he might say something that I have something to say about, and I could be <laughs> rebutting it. Honest to God. Well, we, we talk about those, those simple things to turn on. And, and in the book, it says, if you're overweight and you can't fathom how to get back into shape, you know, turn on your faucet and begin to drink water. I mean, it's the easiest, most healthiest thing right, you can little, do to lose weight. Little switches. If you yeah. hate your job and you want to start a new career, but you can't figure out how, then take that set of notes that you took from one of your seminars and actually, you know, dust it off and, and put it into use. Take the first step. If your marriage is a bust right now and you can't see how to salvage it, you know, gather five seconds of courage and humility and take the lead and ask your spouse, hey, can you come here and do like I did today and look your wife in the eye and say, I'm sorry. You know, and that's a great start. You know, um, I'll, I'll read this last part before you go. And Winston Churchill, who I love, he says, um, people are application rich, right? Like, um, <laughs> success is not final and failure is not fatal. It's the courage that to continue that counts. Um, but we're not applying some of those things. And, and they're not, it's not a big secret. If you look at most of the self-help books that you love, most of the popular ones, they're just telling you aha, duh stuff. You're like, and you're just saying in your mind, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's why you love it because it's just confirming something you already knew. You know if you want to lose weight, drinking water is a big part of it. You know if you want to have a great marriage, communication is a big part of it. You know, when we go into marriage counseling and we talk to people, the first thing we ask them is about communication. And we're like, hey, it's no big secret. That's why everybody talks about it. 
Yeah, but people don't know how to communicate. Well, there you go. Well, then that's where you need help. Right. Well, I mean, that. It, well, going back to what I was talking about. So you make a decision, right? And then the, and the next thing is you establish an environment. Okay. Okay. So if I want to have a talk with you, the environment better be right. Husbands and wives, like you pick, you, you got to pick the right time mm. to go after things. You don't, you know, and I think that's the problem is a lot of people don't know how to put a pin in something in order to address it when when you have the right environment. Now, yeah. it's not always going to work out that way. Look, we're we're human. We we get short-tempered. Sometimes things are, you know, are heated and it, you know, you need to address it immediately or you need to be hey, we got to address this right now. I, we're going to take this in the other room, whatever it might be. But you have to establish an environment. An environment has look, let's go back to Genesis. This basically the turn-on method is everything that God has already laid out for us. I didn't come up with this on my own. He downloaded it to me through his word. When he hovered, if you look at the beginning of Genesis, the very, very, very start of it, he was hovering over the expansive, uh, the expansiveness of the universe. And it was a wasteland, a form, formless void wasteland. That's the word it's used in the Hebrews, a wasteland. Yeah. Well, God doesn't create wasteland. Okay. He doesn't create chaos. He, is store, he restores and orders order. He creates order, you right. know? And so when, when your environment, let's go back to what you were just saying about someone that wants to lose weight. When your environment is out of order and you don't have the right things, even in something in your refrigerator in your pantry, you've made a decision you want to lose weight. Yeah. But the environment in your home and in your kitchen is not set up for success. Well, you're behind the eight ball already. Yeah. And it's the same thing with anything else. Well, I can't work in chaos. It makes me bat crazy. Oh. You know, I can't stand visual clutter. So when we come home from a trip and we need to get ready to like get back into work on Monday, what did we do on our anniversary? Our anniversary we was cleaned. Sunday. We cleaned the whole freaking day. Why? Because I've been in this marriage 12 years and I've learned a lot in 12 years. And <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I, no, I'm but serious. I, I, That's I told you, I was like, we are not going into Monday trying to gain momentum right. when we're upside down after unloading a trailer. So like we can't, you have of, to have the right environment. Speaking of environment, you, you went downstairs last night to watch the baby and you, we were watching the chosen, I think episode five, season three, I think episode five or six, but, um, man, um, it was kind of slow. Um, but there was this one part and, and this is again, why I love it because it, it shows the outside of the Bible. Um, it shows the lessons that some of the apostles were going through that are so applicable today like simon peter walks into his door and his wife is crying and um he's like what she's like well you know as as soon as you came home you took a nap as soon as you came home from your trip he's like you told me to i was you said i looked tired to take a nap <laughs> you know and, and people have that men and women today have that conversation he's like but that's what you said he's like i can't read your mind and she goes and then you and then you the guys came over and you went out with them and he's like well, you know, first of all, you said I was tired. So how I was so tired I couldn't read your mind. She goes, "Well, that's funny because you weren't so tired that you couldn't read my body." And I was like, "Whoa." Hmm. I mean, right? I mean, that that's a it's a it's a really valuable lesson when you talk about the environment that men will be you know, when it comes to the bedroom, they'll be, hey, well, we don't have time to talk or I'm tired or, you know, there's other things to do, but well, you know what? We'll find some time for the body, you know? And, and Tell me what you got out of that. Well, it's true. I mean, it, this is a whole other podcast, but, you know, when I was single, I was around guys who used to tell me that, you know, they would just, oh, well, you get, you know, my wife is my, you know, when I say what goes, it goes. And if I want sex, I'm getting sex. And then, you know, then you realize when you get married, um, it's, it's you, when men or women are different and you still have to, um, you have to prune the marriage and you have to take care of the mind because that's when the body comes. If any great marriage counselor would tell you, if you're having problems in the bedroom, it starts with communication outside of the bedroom. That's right. And, um, and I thought that was a genius move by, uh, Dallas. What's his last name? The, Jenkins. Yeah. Um, to show that real kind of um, storyline, again, it's not in the Bible, um, and he wasn't taking a huge leap there, but he was just saying, like, here's an apostle who is on the road serving Jesus, right? Um, and his and his wife wanted time with him, and and he said he was too tired, you know, to ask her how she was or how she was feeling. But and she's like, well, you weren't too tired to lay down with me, you know, in bed. 
and and be a man. And um, it's just really, really prevalent. And I thought, you know, mm-hmm. what a fantastic way of tackling that subject that so many couples have problems with. But that that is an environment. It, it, the it environment in the house. Um, well, I mean, environment is, whether it's a physical environment, like I was talking about visual clutter, or your mental environment. You know, if your mind is, is bogged down with too many applications or, or, you know, too many things that you haven't been able to discuss or get out in the open, uh, too many thoughts that aren't being held captive to the, you know, obedience of Christ. Like there's so many different things and, um, or if your calendar is too bogged down with minutia and you're not focusing on the most important things that you're, that you're called to steward or that you'd like to do, then, then you've got to re refocus. You show me a couple, a seasoned couple, not newlyweds. You show me a seasoned couple that has a great sex life, and I would almost guarantee you 100% they have a great communication, and they sure. and they have and they have times when they really talk to each other. I don't I don't think the, you know, and and this is just a matter of being mature. You know, we just celebrated 12 years last week, and when you said clean the house, you know, it just it's not a matter. I wouldn't have probably done that in our first or second or third year of marriage, but. And it's not that I have been whipped. It's not that I have I felt guilty into doing it. It's just when you mature and you want things to work out, you just know what it takes. And I don't I don't I'm not looking for a pat on the back because I'm not saying it was my first instinct to clean the house, but you just realize that that's what it's going to take to make it work. Just like going back to instance yeah, with gotta, the you child, have to, you have to also give perspective, like context here to our listeners. I wasn't. It's not like our house was just. It needed to be swept. Like we had brought a trailer home (laughs) from Florida. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like my counters needed cleaning off. We had stuff that needed to be unboxed. Like we couldn't go into the week trying to regain and have what we call re-entry into our life. What's that old cliche where where something goes, it grows, right? Where Where your attention, what focus goes. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) You know what it is. Cliche. Um, But that's the same thing going back to children. We're talking about a marriage. We could talk about that in the same sense of a a business. Or we go back to talking about that story about the, the, the children. It's not enough to just give your child a pat on the back and say, hey, that's great. You give them lip service. They're children. They know. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and, and you said one day doesn't change anything, but stories change things. Stories make a difference. And that man's story over two weeks ago has resonated with me every day because even if it's just five seconds longer or 10 minutes longer, I go into that next part, you know, like, let me let me spend five or 10 more minutes with you, letting you know that I care about this simple drawing. How many times your kids draw something and we just, oh, that's great. Now, you know, run along, Johnny. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the attention that you give them. So true. <laughs> okay, so you had two things. Let's wrap it up here. I have four, four total. So d- decide. Decide. Establish the environment. Establish the environment. So that's D-E. And then A is action. Now everyone's actions are different. It depends on what you're you're dealing with, right? You've got to take action. <clears throat> how many times have we, how, let me ask you this, listener, how many people have gym memberships that they don't, they don't show up for? Like you made a decision. You have the environment to do it, but you don't, you aren't actively getting in the car and going to the gym and, and using the equipment. That happens. Okay. It happens with a number of things. I can decide, excuse me, decide that I want to start a business or do a business or have an idea and I can ideate all the, all day long. I can even have the coolest space in my house to do the work and it's primed and ready to go. But if I don't sit down and do action, um, even the smallest of actions, I'm not going to move the needle. And this is, this is a problem. You know, it's a problem. Um, here's the problem for when you're giving advice like this, like every single person is going to have a different action to take. So you have to question, you're like, what task is was this going to take? What, what stage or step am I at in the middle of this task? What's my capacity to handle the cast? Sometimes what we're doing is we're biting off more than we can chew. And I kind of hate that saying like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Like whoever whoever actually eats an elephant. But the, you get the point. Like you have to do little things at a time. And if and if those actions are small, um, they can still have mighty returns. And essentially, 
that's what it requires. It's going to be the things that you don't feel like doing. It's going to be mundane. I think a lot of people just want want the results so fast. We're looking for that ROI so fast, and that's not always going to be there, you know. And then the, and the last thing, and I'll let you go, David, is to rest and reflect. Like every single time we make a decision and have that environment to, you know, for established order, and then we take action, we've got to be able to reflect on our our decision. We have to be able to reflect on our actions. We have to ask ourselves, is this working? Like, am I, am I doing, you know, this, this is a lot like what you were talking about yesterday when you had a talk with, you know, our spiritual mentor, like, what are, what are you doing in your life right now that perhaps like you were never assigned to in the first place? Talk, explain that for a second. Yeah. Um, Cause this it, is where we're not, oftentimes we won't reflect. We will find ourselves in things that we have done and we just sit there and we're so frustrated yet we, we are, you know, manifesting absolutely no fruit out of it. And we keep trying to plug away and push the button harder when we get the pinwheel of death on our computer. So what, what is that that he shared with you? Because yeah. I think if we don't reflect and ask ourselves, are we in the well, right place in time? This is good. He said, basically, you know, he said, you have to repent who you are, are reject, repent and reject everything that you're not right. Like cease doing what God has never told you to begin to do. Yes. You know, like God, God, Sometimes you, we start doing things that we never got a word from God to do. He's like, so you have to repent and reject that. Okay, um, stop right there for a okay. second. Because I think when we hear the words repent or reject, we oftentimes think they're bad habits, right? They might just be a bad habit. And you could you could apply that there. Maybe it's someone's drinking or right. or they're being lazy or they're scrolling social media. Too much. Okay, fine. But what about repent and reject the things that we we actually see as a good but we were never told to do them in the first place. That's a uh, that's a huge topic. That's a huge topic. Like, what are you spending a lot of time on? Yeah. You know, grinding away at and and getting nowhere. And then, did you have to ask yourself, man, did, when did I take on this project and why? Yeah, and a lot of people are at their at their wits' end. You know, with, yeah. in, in a lot of places. And he he continued. He said, "Burn out everything that you are not." Everything that you've embraced for the sake of self-promotion, you know, and, and think See, about that. See, that can be good things. That can be yeah. good things that we perceive as good. And then if you promote him in your life and your family, he'll promote you in, in ways that you've never even imagined, you know. And and as I'm sitting here and I've had this issue with my eye over the last, uh, this last couple of weeks, I've had this issue with my eye that's been a real pain in the butt. And he's like, wow. He's like... Uh, you know, there, there's a there's a real metaphor for that, and basically, you know, talking about being the light and being turned on, um, the eye is a physical thing, but it's also very metaphorical. And mm-hmm. and this interpretation is that you have a good spiritual eye is it, it could be generous, and but it, it it's for focusing on a on a singleness. In other words, um. The Hebrew of this particular verse says to focus on a singleness of the heart. In other words, what is our calling? And that goes back to how we started this turned on book is what makes you come alive? And and how can you how can you do more of that which God wants you to do? If how can you have a singleness of the heart, you know, and not get distracted by all of these other things? Because when we start to deviate our focus from God and we start concerning ourselves with worldly things, um, that's when we go astray. And and let's face it, I have, you have, we all have. And that's what turned on is it's a course correction. We've gone astray and we've gotten away from the things that we're supposed to be doing, our our calling. Yeah. You know, and we've gotten into this kind of ambiguity and this uh that's why we wake up every day and we, we don't have kind of this deliberate nature in what we're supposed to do because we're caught chasing too many rabbits in what Solomon says is those who chase too many rabbits will fail in every single way. You know, it's just, it's just very hard. It says in Matthew six twenty two, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So, um, we have to get back to being turned on. We have to get back to finding light. We have to get back to where we once belonged. And and that could be innocence. If you're going back to a place and you're like, I don't know when I belonged. I don't it wasn't a decade ago, it wasn't two decades ago. Sometimes you have to go way back and then start to erase those things 
I mean, you can't erase them permanently, but you have to ignore them and start to do the things that are going to serve you better and serve your family better. And more importantly, and most importantly, serve the Lord better. To serve the Lord. It, it, is, it is turned on, and this is a confirmation of what we're doing. I didn't want the message to come like that. I would have much rather had a, a much more subtle message, and I don't think that was God's intention to take my dad to give me this message. I just think it's a byproduct of of what happened. I just... You know, my dad was 83. When I hear someone's dad is 93, I immediately think, geez, 10 more years. What would I have done with 10 more years? And you often said that, Ange, when your mom passed, you know, you would see your mom passed at 63. And you're like, man, what if I would just had another five years with her? Anyone who's had somebody pass, you're like, what if one more year, you know, what could I have done with one more year? So this is a wake up call, my friends. I just want to remind you as we leave today that there are so many things in your life that will distract you. There are so many things in your life that will call you that are not of God. And so many things that we have to ask ourselves, what is he doing? What is he telling us? Is there a spirit of sadness or jealousy? Is there resentment in your life? Is there anger? Is there fear of the unknown? Is there fear of being inadequate, not up to par? Look up. Look to the heavens. Fast. Ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to come into your heart. Find that spirit of joy, determination, positivity, and abundance. Find that spirit of victory. We'll see you next time on the Turned On Podcast. Welcome to the Turned On Podcast.